everybody, and welcome back to the Games I Guess podcast. This is Games I Guess episode 8 for Thursday, September 29th, 2022. My name is Casey Tig, and joining me, as he often does, a man so powerful that they named a hurricane after him, Ian. Welcome Hello. back, sir. I was I was downgraded to a tropical storm today. Oh, were you? That's great news. Yeah, yeah I saw that on, on Twitter. That In was, all seriousness. That's how I had to learn about my demotion. Oh, well, welcome, demoted or not, happy to have you here. And additionally, <laughs> that sounds kind of derogatory. D- additionally, a man so funny that he makes even himself laugh. Josh Musser, welcome back. I don't find that funny at all. <laughs> I mean, I don't You didn't say it, right? right. <laughs> uh, and we have a special guest this week. Uh, you might know her from the Point and Drink Adventure podcast. That's a, a new thing she's doing. Uh, or the Cannot Be Tamed YouTube channel. Pam, it's great to have you here. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, it's cool to actually meet you. Um, so, very casual show. Do, do not be alarmed. We have one thing that we're set out to talk about, and it's happening a little bit later. Um, so, yeah, just welcome. Hopefully it doesn't scare you too bad. Josh. I'm you terrified. hear me, Josh? <laughs> Why am I always getting pointed at? I don't like know, I'm some sort of freak. No, You're the unique we, selling point of this show, Josh. We love I'm the people. sex appeal. <laughs> there you there. Games, I guess, <laughs> available wherever you get your podcasts. At Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, Stitcher, and more. Don't forget, you can find the video show uh, on the Wispish YouTube channel later in the week. Uh, but wherever you get the show, just uh, please subscribe and do all the things. Uh, that really helps us out, and we appreciate it. I just clicked on a thing, and now you have a virus. Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so now we got all that out of the way. We can talk about what we're playing. Uh, Pam, since you're the guest, feel free to kick it off if you want to, or we, Josh can go first. It's up to you. Anything sure, you've been I can playing? kick it off. So I was been playing a lot and was playing just before I uh, hopping on the call today, uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon. Ooh. which is something I started months ago and was just sort of playing here and there. And then in the last few weeks, I've just really gotten into it more and have been putting in a lot of hours. Um, it's the turn-based combat Yakuza game that came out. Oh, I don't even remember when. Three or four years ago, maybe? We'll go with that. And it's uh, basically a JRPG. So you've got turn-based combat. You've got like different job classes. There's all kinds of mechanics. There's like a business mini game. There's a mini game where you just take a bunch of tests. And I'm a big nerd, and I really like tests and trivia. So that's <laughs> one of my favorite things. <laughs> Do you like tests in video games? That's like a thing. Yeah, yeah. Cool. That's uh, that's always a positive when those are there. And um, the story is honestly a little convoluted, but I love all the characters and sort of building up the character bonds, especially. Those are sort mm-hmm. of tend to be what I like most about the Yakuza games, aside from all the ridiculous sub stories and just general quantity of things to do. I'm well, curious. Yakuza games that with point with the turn base, I thought I thought they were more like 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 gta gta ish like you know just running around beating people up of them are like more brawling kind of combat but the like a dragon series is um they're like a separate thing okay Mm -hmm. there there's like a side a side that was gonna be my my next question for the group it was like how many of us have played a yakuza game and i i have have not it's i have not either so pam you're the only one i played it i played it just not to like it not just not like a dragon. I've I played uh, 
uh, I think zero and the I played the oldest one definitely, and then I think zero as well. I'm not I, I forget. It's been a while, but uh, that's why I thought I was like I thought it was more like you know more like GTA where you're just running around and kind of interacting with people with quests. Yeah, yeah, you could probably punch people. I don't know. It's it's a really <laughs> weird game though. I remember that. I find buddy, Yakuza to be very impenetrable. Like I, I always feel like I should have an opinion on it, but there's so much of it that I just I don't know where to begin or if I even could commit to the time to get through them all. So there are a lot of them. Yeah. I feel like I feel like every year there's another one coming out from like the main series or the Like a Dragon or like some weird spin-off. <laughs> yeah, my I have a I have a buddy who's uh extremely into the in, into the Yakuza franchise and has recommended it to me on multiple occasions, specifically because I have a deep love of Deadly Premonition, which he says shares um, uh, some Yakuza DNA. And that like really interests me for sure. I think you would really appreciate the weirdness. Yeah, yeah, based on your I, likes. Think, I think that's probably true. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely see some similarities with Deadly Premonition, but it, it can be a bit impenetrable just because of how many there are. I've only played Yakuza 0, that was my first one, but they're open world, but they're like a very contained open world that you can really get to know, and they're just sort of packed with people yeah. to talk to and little side stories, and they're all weird and funny sub stories about teaching a dominatrix how to be better at humiliating men. And, <laughs> as, like, as one does, yeah. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Wish listed immediately. Yeah. Uh, no, that's. Uh, I'm glad that you said that. Actually, the uh, the part about it being impenetrable because uh, I don't know. I'm glad I'm not the only one that kind of feels that way. I guess is what I'm saying. But the the older I get, the more the more and more I enjoy the sort of contained open worlds, the sort of nice digestible ones. So mm -hmm. if anything, it's uh, which one did you say you played? Uh, like a dragon something. Zero. No, I that was me. She played like a dragon. I'm right, playing right, like one... a dragon now, but I I said zero was my first one. Oh oh oh, gotcha. Okay. Does like a dragon also kind of keep the uh, the tenets of contained open world intact? Yep. Oh cool. Yep. So was that the big thing you're playing, or is there anything else going on? Uh, that's the big thing I'm playing right now. I also tried Moon Scars, which just came out a few days ago. I was just looking at that's that on Game Pass. Earlier. It is on Game Pass. It is a an action platformer. It's sort of influenced by a lot of things. It's got some rogue light elements. It's apparently got some Metroidvania elements, though I haven't seen any yet. And it's very Souls inspired. Um, I find it very punishing. <laughs> it looks very Souls inspired. Like a, looks yeah. gorgeous. The, the, oh, great pi pixel art. Yeah, I like pixel art. It reminds me a lot of um, Salt and Sanctuary from just looking at it, because uh, you mentioned that like that Souls inspired stuff, and that it has mm -hmm. that side scrolling Souls. Salt, Salt and Sanctuary is a, like a side scrolling Souls like game. Mm -hmm. um, so it's I'm kind of getting that vibe, and it's, it's also same like dark and gothic and gory and stuff like that too. So there's yeah. a lot of these little indie games I've noticing over the last like two years or so that are really taking the Souls inspiration and trying to put them into the smaller pixelated kind of side-scrolling uh, indie games. And I think it's an interesting choice. And I'm wondering at this point if it's getting to be a little overdone because yep. I've seen it so much. Definitely, definitely. Mm -hmm. If I never had to retrieve my body to get my <laughs> stuff back in a 
2D platformer again, I would be thrilled. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be great if I never had to hear a Souls like again. I'm just tired of hearing. Oh, calm that down. Don't, don't, don't even start. Josh, don't even okay. Start. I don't know what Pam knows or doesn't about Josh, but he hates a lot of things, particularly Dark Souls, uh, Destiny. Uh, um, first thing you said about me, he hates a lot of things, and then you gave their. No, the first number. thing I said about you was that you can be a little much. <laughs> I think uh, I'm perfectly reasonable right now. No lies it's, detected. This the friend you forced to play Dark Souls. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, okay. <laughs> I still have co like my most enthusiastic. What's his <laughs> the most enthusiastic comments on my channel from its inception have been asking for more Josh Dark Souls. Nobody cares about what I'm doing. Give, give the people like, what they want. Give me Josh and Josh. You might as well just give me control of your channel. How about that? His blood pressure is going up. And he's just for the content. <laughs> Uh, I, Josh. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. I was just. I'm. I'm a fairly new Dark Souls con uh, convert. I played through the trilogy maybe in the last year and really enjoyed it. But at the same time, please, game industry, be inspired by something else. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's about time for the next. The next thing yeah. to come along for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That is true. It's. It's kind of everywhere. It's it's getting into all the genres. It's like breaking into sure, all the other. Sure, Miyazaki's over there pinching his nips right now, just all fucking for that. <laughs> yeah, my, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, I, I have, I'm, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty curmudgeonly Souls player. Like, I would, I would argue that it's been getting stale since the first game. Um, you said but, you like two uh, the best. Are you like two? I did narrative not say that I like two the best. I said two has the the most compelling narrative. In my opinion. Excuse me. Yeah. But dark, the first Dark Souls is something really special. And I just, I just think yeah, to me, quite done it again. To me, that's also the, the one that I think of the most fondly. Uh, but people tend to like three, just because I think the combat's snappier. Very polished, yeah. But uh, I actually kind of prefer the super clunky Dark Souls one <laughs> combat. <laughs> At least then I have a chance. Um, Only but clunky if you're not good. <laughs> that's funny coming from you. It's funny because half of your comments, the other half of your comments that aren't asking for more souls are people like, he used the shield? <laughs> Fucking neckbeards. Well, you know, it, it's still the Dark Souls community at the end of the day, you know? You if it makes you feel better. Excuse me for I, using a goddamn mechanic of the game. I used a shield too, Josh, so it's okay. What have you been I playing? Turtled, I turtled through that whole game. 100%. Josh, what have you been playing? Well, Any since you asked. Uh, <laughs> I've been playing a, an indie game called um, uh, Forgive Me, Father. Uh, and it's okay. Um, basically, it's... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Tell us why it's okay. It's a, yeah, it's a, so first of all, it's a... Um, I gotta look it up. I guess well. you could call it a boomer shooter uh, where it's very Cthulhu-inspired, that whole eldritch terror type of stuff. Um, really, it just, I mean, you could replace that all with, with, uh, um, zombies or anything really from, cool. from what I played through. It does have a really cool really style. Nice. It has a really cool style. We'll give it that. But, um, I mean, it, it, it's weird because in it, minimal, there's a minimal platforming. Oh, um, but it, it's, I mean, in the same extent that, I mean, it's less than doom, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, you're just leaping from platform like from one end of the platform to the other and and that's it it's not like constant steps or anything like you're going up stairs or whatever but anyway uh 
the movement and stuff like that is super smooth and really fast paced but the weird decision that they they went with is that there's these like story bits that are stuck throughout and little areas that you have to explore and then they send enemies out from like around corners like you know to sneak up on you and it forces you to slow down there's even a part that i got to where you pick up a flashlight and it's pitch black and you have to hold the flashlight up which means that you can't use your gun uh but it, and it forces you to slow down because you can't see much so why why in this game where it's supposed to be like a you know doom doomesque boomer shooter where it's supposed to be fast-paced and you're running around uh, just shooting the crap out of everything doesn't make you slow down an inch around corners. It's not even because it's scary or anything like that. It's just you're forced to because you can't see or because you're trying to find little bits of lore and things like that. Um, so it's just, I don't know, gameplay-wise, it's totally all over the place. Who's the developer? Bite Barrel. We're going to yeah. find... Whoever the most lead dev at Bite Barrel, we're going to have him on so he can answer your pressing questions about this. <laughs> I don't know if I care enough. To be honest. It, it was okay. It was okay, like I said. It wasn't like it wasn't a, a horrible game to play. It was just it was just weird to have to, you know, you have this urge to sprint and then you're forced to slow down. Um there's these time there are some interesting moments where uh you know, you're you're in a large room and and uh, it sends like 20 monsters at you all, all at the same time and you have to, you know, be quick within that room. But there's ways to cheese and I wasn't even cheesing it on purpose. I, I just backed up and then you end up funneling him into the hallway that you were previously in. It doesn't even lock you out of that hallway or anything like that. So that kind of makes that easier. And I wasn't, I was playing on normal difficulty, so it wasn't like it was meant to be easy. And there were also little things where like the enemies would get stuck on corners and if, you, if they lost sight of you, they wouldn't really follow you and I don't know. It just for you, for the type of game it's supposed to be, they really made a lot of decisions that that kind of went against it. Do you recommend it? <laughs> oh wow. Okay, Ian, what are you it's, playing this <laughs> week? I um, was thinking. Jesus. Well, it's a uh, we'll, we'll come back. We'll come back to that question later uh, once Josh has had a chance to mull it over. Um, so this week. Um, I've been uh, barreling through some replays of the first two uh, Monkey Island games in preparation to play the new one this weekend. Um, but uh, I, I actually, what I was playing last week, last week I had the culmination of my, it's actually been a long journey, but I, I was playing uh, Rule of Rose when we last stopped. Uh, I guess, but this was this was right around when I came down and met you guys uh, in person. I brought yeah. my, I went down on my vacation to the States. I brought my PlayStation and I sort of just acquired uh, Rule of Rose, which I've been trying to get my hands on for a long time. And there's even some drama getting my hands on it. It like got lost in the mail, um, but I finally got it and I finally played it. And then last week I finally finished it. And man, um, that game, had a really profound impact on me. I think it's, I think it's, it might be one of my absolute favorite survival horror games that I've ever played. And you may have heard that it has serious gameplay problems. This is absolutely true. The, the combat is extremely bad. Um, there are <laughs> we, other we love issues too. People talk about um, the inventory, which is definitely cumbersome. And the level design, which 
I was actually okay with, but I like walking sims where you just sort of wander around an environment and whatnot, and that's definitely something that you do in Rule of Rose. There's sort of an expansive play space that changes slightly from chapter to chapter, and you spend a lot of time going door to door, exploring things. But man, the story. Uh, so, so like anybody who has ever heard me bitch about video games uh, knows that I like really place a premium. I really like to be surprised by uh, stories in particular, just games in general, but uh, you know, media in general, stories in particular. And Rule of Rose kept me on like narratively. It kept me on the back foot the entire way through. Um, it started out and I didn't really have any idea what was going on. It's very cryptic and it keeps you in the dark longer than something like Silent Hill, which I think is a strength. Um, and then I was like sort of careening towards what I assumed was the climax. And I, I was actually sharing with Casey some of my thoughts about what the game was about. And then I sort of crossed this threshold and there was still like a third of the game left and, and all the pieces started falling into place. And I realized that this story is sort of this elaborate, you know, and poetic and incredibly eloquent meditation on abuse and how abuse is propagated through systems of authority and reified through, uh, you know, cultural and emotional institutions. Uh, uh, Rule of Rose is particularly interested in love, uh, paternal love and courtly love specifically. Um, it explores how abuse affects people and becomes sort of cyclical. Um, and and in, in really granular detail it, it, and, and intricate characterization, it, it, it portrays, uh, you know, people who are affected by abuse and sort of identify with the structure of abuse and become abusers themselves, people who are bystanders who and how paradigms of abuse make them complicit. Um, I mean, look, I could I could go on for hours and hours and hours about the. You're the narrative guy, um, so I won't I won't do that. But I, I will say that that man, it's a real shame. Two things: first of all, that the game is um, so inaccessible from a gameplay perspective because of its flaws, and B, so inaccessible because it's hard to get hands on a copy. Because um, like, if you love survival horror, if you love Silent Hill, you should really give this game a try. Get it on an emulator later or something um and it might even leave you like me questioning if it doesn't narratively edge out uh silent hill a little bit just in the depth and and breadth of its uh of its thematic exploration so i'll stop gushing but ultimately i really liked rule of rose and uh it's a shame they're, i'm like they're, they're only like they're only like 25 people who have ever played this game it seems <laughs> I, was, I was gonna ask uh, pam since you you tend to be extremely familiar with game, like kind of unheard of games. You, you like mm -hmm. to cover that side of, I guess, the industry. Have you heard of Rule of Rose? Because I had not before Ian had started his. Little... Uh, yeah, I've played it. I've reviewed it. I have a playthrough on my channel. Really <laughs> nice. Yeah. Look at that. Ian, see, making friends. Did you agree or disagree? <laughs> That's where we gotta find uh -huh. out. <laughs> Did you like I... Rule of Rose, or was the gameplay stuff? I overall uh, liked it, yeah. Because Ian's it, a narrative designer. Like, that's what he does. So, like, mm -hmm. obviously that's the stuff that's speaking to him the most. I wonder how I would feel about it, since I'm not a narrative designer. 
Yeah, I thought the story was pretty good. It's very winding. There's like different sort of times. And uh, yeah, I did like especially how at the beginning you were sort of not really knowing exactly what what the situation you're in there. But I did I I definitely did find the the bad combat left me a little more frustrated just in terms of actually playing the game. I was cussing. There were there were a few times that I was I was cussing. Um, but fortunately, the I mean the combat is bad, but it, it also is not the majority of the gameplay, which this is true. Yes, tempers the tempers the experience a little mm-hmm. bit. So, rule of Rose, is it was that the the big sort of the big thing that you played? Yeah, I haven't been able to stop thinking about it since I finished it. Well. Rule of Rose. Go play it if you can. Uh, you kind of segued perfectly for me because you are trying to catch up, or not catch up, but sort of replay the Monkey Island stuff so that you can play the new one. Uh, I have never played a Monkey Island game and I just recently started. Uh, so I'm in the middle of my first playthrough of The Secret of Monkey Island. And it's all very... The family. Thank you. <laughs> it's all very scary for me because I am not a point and click guy. Uh, not for any reasons or anything it's just that you know i just did not have access to to those games growing up i guess um i'm really struggling with the verbs like switching between like some you, old school look at man. oh yeah yeah it's really <laughs> something but the game man is so charming like i can see it was immediately identifiable why people love it um and I'm into it. I, I, I'm not done with the first one yet. I just launched out of a cannon and landed in the on the beach with my head in the sand. And that's where I am currently. <laughs> and I'm hoping... I'm not going to get there before Ian does. But I'm hoping to uh, to also work my way up to the uh, the most recent one. Uh, I bought them all. Well, not all of them. But, you know, one, two, and the newest. Uh, so I'm excited for that. Um, so you being, Pam, you being the point and click sort of... Like, you, you, you have a podcast that's sort of loosely themed around point and click right well at least named after <laughs> yeah so it's like an important uh, genre for you specifically uh, yeah it's one of the g- genres i definitely grew up playing um in addition to my nes i grew up with a pc so just a lot of a lot of point and click adventures sort of as a kid growing up i'm curious though um as someone who has consumed so much point and click stuff does like all right, how do I how do I phrase this? Like Monkey Island, is that revered by you, or is that like yeah. ugh, point and click is so much more than Monkey Island? Everybody's talking about Monkey Island. I'm I'm just curious if uh, if the the OG fans of point and click, uh, kind of also revere Monkey Island as a whole. Yeah, I think Monkey Island is definitely one of the best, just in terms of how it's put together. The writing and just the humor in it are great. And unlike a lot of games like the Sierra games, where you could very easily get stuck or die or find yourself in an unwinnable situation if you're not saving every five minutes, Monkey Island sort of changed the trajectory of point and clicks where you couldn't really get yourself stuck. I mean, yeah. you could get stuck from not knowing how to solve a puzzle, but you couldn't like mess up your game save. Yeah, I, I, I've spoken with Ian about this before, where I, I one of the first games I really ever played, uh, video game-wise, was uh, King's Quest V. And there's a spot up, uh, I think it's after 
the uh, the catacomb maze with the Minotaur, where that's, that's six. That's six. Yeah. Is it six? Okay, it's six. Uh, where where Get I got wrecked. yeah I got excuse <laughs> actually um, <laughs> but I got I got uh, I got hard locked into that and and hours and hours and hours of progress just went down the drain I was like elementary school aged and I was I was fucking done with that that's when it started um, that's, that that's the, what that was the initial trauma that that's how we it. got here <laughs> yeah well no well, what's weird is because that game even though it did that to me was a bit big influence in me liking point-and-click adventures uh, and I actually I actually prefer Sierra style uh, as far as the uh, controls go over over the whole uh, Dave Gilbert uh, type of thing um, like I was actually what your guys opinion like Monkey Island obviously is a beloved game is it just the writing and, and the the charm of it that made it so popular because the like it's it's hard to get used to that that whole uh, you know control scheme that Case was talking about with the burbage and stuff like that and and on top of that there was the moon logic where you're just like what the fuck how how does this make any sense to to get through you know the nine verb structure I think was not at the t I think it's different looking back on it now. At the time, I don't think it was that different than the select your cursor from the toolbar sort of approach that King's Quest uh, yeah. five had and six had as well. I think. Um, I I because they they did the same thing in Thimbleweed Park, and I feel like they should have updated that whole thing. Uh, but it, it felt I don't know. It's was, it was just really weird to play that game uh, in in like the 2010s or whenever that came out. Um, I don't know. As someone who's just kind of breaking into this whole world of point and clicks and stuff, I can. I, I don't know if my position's unique or not, but I think the question you asked uh, is it just the writing and the world of Monkey Island? I would say that does the heavy lifting. Uh, absolutely. I think it's just so funny. Um, I guess, <laughs> I mean, that's subjective, but I don't know. Games don't usually make me laugh, even when they're supposed to. Monkey Island had me laughing. Um, and I think that's just, uh, I don't know. So I would say the writing is definitely a part of it. Plus it's pirates. You know, pi everybody likes pirates. I don't know. Hey, despise pirates. Well, okay. if anyone I... did, it would be you. <laughs> um, I enjoy pirates actually. To, to pivot. Cause I, I have, I am obligated okay. to speak about two games this week and I have not spoken about either one of them yet. The first is Slime Rancher 2, which is an early access right now. Um, that's a franchise I knew nothing about. Has anyone here ever played a Slime Rancher game? Oh, I guess Slime Rancher, yeah. the first yeah, one. I, seems, I've played through uh, the majority of the first one. Let's say that seems like surprised. a Josh game. I'm no, like you're really into the sort of uh, what, like uh, management, sort of farm, base building yeah, yeah. kind of like that's your jam. So like when yeah. when I was playing this, you're you're the person that came to mind. I'm a little surprised. I mean, did you enjoy number two? Slime Rancher, have you played two? No, I haven't. I know it's on Game Pass, but I was going to wait until it was a little bit more. I'm developed. really impressed with it, honestly. Um, if you're unfamiliar, I guess, Ian, are you familiar with it? No. I, I, I'm aware it exists. I have a friend <laughs> who plays it. I know nothing else about it. Uh, it's essentially like, uh, it's like the super charming kind of handcrafted open world. I don't know if the first one was open world or not. But there's like an open world game 
sort of centered around exploration and building like a profitable slime farm. Uh, and slimes are like little wild creatures. And there's a bunch of different kinds of them and they all have like different attributes. And the whole objective is to like, uh, I don't know, to forage around in this open world and find their favorite foods and feed it to them and then collect their poop. Uh, which yeah, I wish don't. I could sell my poop. Well, yeah, they all poop put out it like that. They poop, they poop out their own special poops that help you with progression and also for money. And uh, I don't know, it's just really chill most of the time, at least so far. I've only got a couple hours in it, but uh, it has a great feel to it. It looks and sounds like really nice. Do you, uh, do you keep the evil things on? Like Forget what they're called. The the bad slimes. Yeah, the one where the, if they. There's a thing where I think it's like the the gordos or whatever they call them, like the the fat. Yeah. Ones. So like if uh, if a slime eats the poop of another slime, <laughs> like another kind of slime, then it transforms into like an evil, angry slime, and then it starts eating all the slimes. And it's honestly, it's incredibly stressful when that happens. It is because it happens fast, and it's then stress. everything's dead. Yeah. Um. But anyway, if it, it's happens 30... on your, if it happens on your farm, it sucks. Sorry, excuse me. I didn't mean to talk on the podcast. <laughs> whoa, whoa, this is all loaded. <laughs> you all right there? With the sigh I was, immediately. I was, uh, I was going to say that it sounds like uh, a, a little bit like having cats. What with all the <laughs> there's a, There is actually but... a, a cat-themed slime who... Oh, well, there you go. Fortunately, yeah. my cats do not eat each other's feces and turn into evil, <laughs> corrupted I was... cats. All that's to say, I don't want to spend too much time on Slime Rancher 2, just because I haven't put that much time into it, but uh, I was pretty impressed. Um, it is early access, but it's a very, like, I don't know, it's a very competent early access release so far. Uh, they are going to add more, but there's a lot there already. It's 30 bucks if you're interested. Um, check that out. But the real star of the show, I'm sorry. This is... So we're covering Disco Elysium in a minute. Uh... And my whole thing is, I have not finished Disco Elysium, and I was like, you know what, I need to finish this, let's do it. And I made the mistake of just hopping on to Disney Dreamlight Valley. For just, you know, I just want to see, you know, I heard some nice things, I was like, eh, we'll see. I spent the last day and a half stuck in this, like, strapped to, like, a Disney torture chair. Just addicted to this game. Um, and I just needed to mention it. It's basically Animal Crossing, if Animal Crossing was good and had characters that you cared about. So check that out on Game Pass. But Josh, it's time for the Indie Shout. It's your turn this week. I talk now? Where are you getting this? Uh, <laughs> Who sighed at you? I did not make a conscious decision to sigh at anything you did. So, <laughs> yes, was, it you, was it you, Ian? It may have been me. I don't know. I do no, sigh no, it was, no, it was Casey. He was in the middle <laughs> like, of saying something. He was like, sigh anywhere. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> Good fuck yes, your Christ. grace is the, is the name is the uh, is the game uh, that I'm shouting out this week. It's um, they called it a kingdom management game, uh, I guess, because you are the king and you are managing your kingdom. But uh, it's it's more uh, more than that, um, because it, you're really following the stories of uh, not just the king, but the, the, the family of the king and, and various characters that you come across through the game. Um, the, the major thing though, is that through your choices, uh, that you, that you, um, decide on when, when the characters come up to you and you're sitting in your throne, they come up with like various problems. You decide if you're going to help them or not, what, what you're going to do about, uh, 
you know, as far as like, do we have enough resources to keep the kingdom from falling into evil hands, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, all those choices change the stories um, around you, including your, including you in the kingdom. So the playthrough, of, uh, the replay value of that is super, uh, super high to me, and I just appreciate the uh, control over the narrative that that game gives you. Um, I've not heard of this. It came out two years ago. It says here. Yeah, it's not. It's not super new, but it is. It's. It's it looks appreciated. Nice. Yeah. I like the, nice, the look of it. Nice pixel art, um, and, and and like a lot of the a lot of the game does take place of where you're on the throne and there's like a line of people and you decide on like I said where you're gonna help them not. But there is more to the game where you get to walk around the the castle and the kingdom and talk to the different characters and and um, you even go up onto the uh, wall during during a battle and uh, I guess pump up your archers, you know, with the uh, <laughs> jock jams i don't know um so it's just this fun little fun little like choice uh driven game that uh, i think everyone would enjoy if you're into like narrative stuff so yes your grace it's uh what 20 20 us yeah uh, uh when you said yes your grace i thought you were being a smart ass the case i was kind of i think he was i think i think it was yeah. his way of doing like a clever sort of this, this is transition. a nice segue i gotta hand yeah it good job <laughs> Uh, we cover a lot of no more robot games too. That's the publisher. I realize that. Do we? Yeah. Or do you? Do you happen to, like when you? Maybe it's do me. Indie Maybe shows? it's just me. Maybe, Maybe just you're me. like a no more robots fan and you didn't realize. Unintentionally, yeah. But they they publish a lot of good games. Good for you guys. There you go. I am supposed to talk about Salt Two Shores of Gold, but honestly, I've spent like an hour playing it and I want to play more. I'll mention it again next week. Um, but that being said, it's time to get into the meat and potatoes of this thing. Pam, I'm sorry that we we have monopolized the 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 front of the show here. That's all right. It gets out of hand, honestly. The whole what we were playing section tends to go a little wild. Um, but we're, we survived. You are. Have you completed Disco Elysium? Uh, yeah, I finished it when it first came out, and I'm actually midway through uh, streaming it okay. uh, again. Well, I guess. Uh... It's time for the, uh, where's my song? The cover story. This is the part of the show where we focus on a single game and we build a discussion around it. Uh, you heard it already. Disco Elysium is the game we're talking about. And, uh, just so we're, all the cards are on the table. Where are we? Uh, so Pam has finished the game. Ian has finished the game. Josh, how far have you made it into the game? Um, try to keep it. I guess spoiler yeah. minimum, if you can. I don't know. It's hard to say because it's not like entirely. You know, it's not like straightforward. The the uh, narrative. Do you know what? Think, but do you know what day you made it to at least? I don't know the day. I just know the area I last stopped in, um, which is this kind of like slummy area. <laughs> it could um, be anywhere. Well, yeah, but you know, what I mean, it's like it's almost like. Uh, you probably like, did you cross you cross the canal? You're probably in the fishing village. So. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I have I not done that swampish. yet. Yeah. I I put like 10 hours into the game and I was still on day one when I came back to it. <laughs> like I thought that I was, you know, somewhere substantial. I was not. Um, I've made it to the top of day four, but man, I've been like really taking my time. It took a lot. I, I started the game a while ago, put it down for, I don't know how long. It feels like a year. I don't, I don't know if it was really a year or not. Um, but when I came back, I was so confused. Like I forgot about the thought cabinet. 
and you know what are all the, there's like 15 stats what's the story situation right now i had no idea so it took a while for me to actually kind of figure out where i was and to move it forward but i but i made it um i feel like pam and ian are going to monopolize this <laughs> so by all means have a conversation about disco elysium ian yeah, go how, how do you feel about disco elysium <laughs> I love Disco Elysium. It was nice. my game of the year in, what was it, 2019? Yeah. That was, I think. A, it was, yeah. that was I think a good it, yeah. year for games. It From was everything I completed, that was, that's a good choice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's got some of the best writing in games that I've seen. And in addition to that, just all of the mechanics going on both ones that you can see and things going on in the background are really intriguing and i uh i like how they've done that i really like the new fully voiced director's cut oh that my they've god done. the narrator's <laughs> voice is so good like i don't know who that man is <laughs> but i love listening to him talk that's i just had to say that I, that's one thing i can say that's like my contribution uh, to this. And the writing, it, it, Pam, I totally agree with you. It's it's just like staggeringly good. And what you mm -hmm. were saying, Casey, earlier about about how you know games rarely make you laugh out loud. For me, Disco Elysia is like so aligned <laughs> with my sense, like knows my sense of humor better than I know it. And uh, and I was like. Uh, uh, you know, I really, I really found, yeah, I found myself, you know, literally laughing, but of course it's got this in insane amount of depth as well. It's got this rich interpersonal story that's really the centerpiece. And then it's got probably the best realized uh, fictional, like political schema that I've ever seen in a, a game as well. And uh, it all contributes to just this incredibly immersive world. And, uh, and I think the thought cabinet is one of the most ingenious RPG mechanics ever created. I'll say that too. I think it's interesting that they, uh, you can talk more about the thought cabinet because I feel like you understand it better than I do. Because at this point, uh, I understand it loosely. Um, but yeah, so, so the basic idea is that you acquire thoughts or ideas based on what you do in the world. And you can choose to sort of meditate on these thoughts or let them go. And if you choose to meditate on them, um, you usually, you put them in your thought cabinet, which has a limited number of slots that you can sort of expand over the course of the game with experience points. And you sort of sit on these and, and you usually take like a, like a debuff of some sort while you're meditating on the idea, but then eventually it blossoms. And sometimes it blossoms into very good uh, buffs, perks that you can, uh, that you can, uh, can affect the, the other checks that you're doing in the world. Um, but they're also wrapped, um, as everything is in this game, in like, you know, role-playing wrapper. You know, you're really, really committing to a fantasy of crafting the detective that you, you know, want to play. I was actually I just going to ask you about that. Uh, uh, how, how, when you play this game or any really RPG like this, do you play it like as if you are the detective or do you play the character that's written, like that you feel is, is written? Or how do you generally play this? And that goes to all of you. Um, whoever wants to take that first. Um, I, I would say I try to lose myself in the character, so maybe a little bit of both. I let my intuition sort of guide me. Um, I don't know. I'm curious what other people have to say about that. <laughs> I have a dumb answer. Uh, this is the like the first RPG where I go out of my way to make it not like myself. 
Um, like for example, I was, I broke into this after hours, broke into this building right next to the hotel or whatever. And there's a lady up there making dice. And I'm just like, let's fuck. And like, that's so not me. But I took my nice. pants off right in front of this woman. I knew, like, I, I know this, that I like, there's not going to be a sex scene. There's no, she's going to reject me. This is oh, going to be old, funny. Uh, but, Louis C.K. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I normally, you know, I won't go down that road in an RPG, but I figured this guy's spiraling so bad. You know, you might, he's, he's got to, he's got to whip it out for somebody. So that's what I did. That what happens when you spiral? <laughs> At some point, you gotta I mean, <laughs> I'll let you know. I'll let you know yeah. when I get closer to the drain. What this Elysium you? certainly does chart a trajectory of spiraling that yeah. is uh, uh, fascinating. And uh, I mean, I'm not that main character, but I could certainly identify with many aspects of that character. Um, what are you that's Pam? one of the brilliance oh, uh, of the of the of, of the game. Is that the characters? It's a very extreme character, but his problems are so three-dimensionally realized that you can really see yourself. It's a it's a beautiful, I think, beautiful depiction of depression, and it and it depicts depression in a far more nuanced way than I ever see depression depicted. Which is usually you often get depictions of depression. I think that are just sort of endless black oppressive horror. Um, and there's, you know, validity and a place for that to be sure. You don't get to see function, functional depression very often, at least not yeah, or even, executed even well. Even the more sort of absurd contours of depression or nostalgic contours of depression, right? Like, you know, I mean, as someone who has suffered from depression for like two decades, right? I mean, there are times when you just, you know, I don't know, when I, I should say, when I just sort of looked, like, I would look at myself and just be like, you know, oh, you're sad today. Like, get your shit together, man. This is getting ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Like, you're so you're <laughs> like, get, come on, man. Yeah, get yeah, your his, shit uh, together. And, his cynicism uh, really rings rings uh, true for me. Like, it's, I I relate to the, that a lot. And the humor, the humor humanizes um, the the exploration of, of of depression and and mental illness, substance abuse, and things like that in a really sensitive way. I thought. I'm curious but, um, to, hear, to hear Pam speak about this. Uh, yeah. How do you, with the character, like, when you're in an RPG generally, do you do you try to sort of make an avatar of yourself, or are you always trying to explore, like, I don't know, experiment with things that you would never do in real life? I usually try, at least the first time around, I make it sort of like myself, like how I would react in the situation. Like, I was trying to solve the murder you know, earnestly, I was, you know, trying to be nice to everyone. I was really trying to make him like me. But this time around, I am just, uh, just leaning into that spiral and just, I'm a, I'm a train wreck. I'm constantly on the lookout for drugs. I'm giving cigarettes <laughs> to children. Like I just <laughs> taking all these clips out of context right now. <laughs> Kuno doesn't fucking care. <laughs> oh man, that kid's voice. Oh. I think he's a great character. I the, I, the characters are crazy, but man, that one character, and I guess that's the point of that character. But man, I that shit pissed me off. Did you punch like, him? I I think I did. Yeah. Did you Did you fail? I I think I did. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I don't remember if I swung at him. That was during, like, when I first started the game months and months and months ago. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Pam. You were still going, I believe. 
no, that's good. I, yeah, I am. So I first time around, I go sort of like myself. The second time around, I try to go uh, far away from that and just see sort of how differently uh, things can go for the main character. Right. My understanding is that is that um, things can go drastically differently. There's like a huge amount of variables that lead up to the, the end of the game. Have you have you found that in your playthrough so far? I've found a few things that have happened differently so far. Nothing um, big and sort of story impacting. I haven't I haven't gotten too far into the sort of main quest line and how that's going so far, but I've definitely seen uh, different outcomes uh, for specific choices. Does anyone else get anxiety with this game? With like, talking to people, progressing time, and feeling like you're missing out on... Oh yeah. Uh, I, that I have to admit, I was more worried about that than I ended up needing to be. Once I ex sort of accepted that, you know, I was going to have to, you know, I was going to have my playthrough and it wasn't necessarily going to hit everything. Um, you know, it got a lot easier. And then the other thing that the game does is it makes, it, it does a better job of making it interesting to fail uh, than I think any other uh, RPG that I've come across. Mm -hmm. um, like you can fail skill checks and have really hilarious results. There are even, if I remember correctly, a few skill checks that you can fail so hard you succeed in like a weird way. <laughs> <laughs> Which is uh, pretty interesting. I don't know yeah. if I've hit any of those. Failure can be a lot of fun. And I really like how just there's constant checks happening against all of the 16 different skills. And so when you're in a conversation with someone, it's it's almost like different aspects of yourself. So if you succeed the empathy role, you'll get some sort of insight into why the person is talking, why someone is talking to you the way they are. But maybe you're not good at empathy, and instead you get you like the rhetoric style or the electrochemistry, where it's just all about drugs. So I, I really like how depending on how your character is built, you sort of get different insights into basically every conversation, every interaction, everything you see in the world. What core stats did you choose uh, in your first playthrough in this one? Oh, I think I went for a lot of like the logical, like intellect ones my first time around. This time I'm going in sort of the physical and the um, like Inland Empire and shivers and things. Inland Empire all the way represent. Yeah. <laughs> I went the same route with the, uh, I don't know, it's my instinct in games like this to uh, to sort of pick, I want to be smart, you know, I want the world to think I'm smart and I want to be mm -hmm. good at deducing things. But I was telling Ian the other day, I was like, I picked all the smart stats and everyone still calls me a fucking idiot. So <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing wrong. But, uh, you should yeah, dress better. I, I guess that is uh, <laughs> something I could be doing. Um, mm -hmm. I do like how meandering the, I, I don't know, I, hesita I hesitate to call them quests. But like, I don't even know if I'm supposed to be doing it this way. It's like, hey, smoke a cigarette. You know you want to smoke a cigarette. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't have to do it. But So now I'm like running around town looking, for a, looking to buy a pack of smokes. Uh, I, I don't know. I just like how kind of inconsequential, it's, at least at the moment, it seems to be. Um, but how I still bother to spend time doing it? Like, take a swig, go find some alcohol. <laughs> I don't know. It does have a fascination with the minutia and an ability to make that stuff really 
deep and fascinating and revelatory about the characters, I think. Uh, as someone who is no longer a smoker, but used to be a smoker, I still miss smoking. And I don't know, hearing that man's voice telling me why I need to light a smoke <laughs> and going through all the adjectives about how, oh, you know, how great it's going to be. That hit me like IRL. I was like, shut up, man. <laughs> like, I don't need to be hearing this right now. <laughs> but uh, there was also, I don't remember exactly what it was, but there was some, again, like, I can't, I couldn't spoil this game if I wanted to. I, it's, my memory's so bad at this point. But there was something along the lines of him, I think it was when he, he fell asleep for the day and uh, he was kind of going through, I don't know if it was a hallucination or just kind of like a train of thought or what, but he was going through just these feelings of uh, uselessness that I really, <laughs> I don't know. You can tell whoever put the words on the page felt useless. At one point or not, you know, or other in their knew, life. They knew what they were writing about. Yeah, there's something sure. there's something honest about just about every every line of text of this game. It's, as as ridiculous as he can be sometimes, man, he's one of the most relatable characters I can think of for a long time that I played with uh, or played as in the game. Um, and and to go back to your question too about like missing stuff. I I always have you know severe FOMO when I'm playing games like I I don't I'm not a completionist but I really want to like play especially in RPGs I want to get all the quote yeah, you quests want the, you know the whole experience yeah but I did kind of like what Ian was saying I there is a point where you you get sucked into this character and at least for me and you're like would this character really give a shit about you know going and talking to every single person he'd probably want to avoid i mean if you're really being honest but he uh so at a certain point you kind of let go and and just in the game like you said it does a really good job of just not guiding you but like allowing you to just ride you right you're just flowing <laughs> through the game and 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 it all works it's just it's impressive how how well they put the 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 whole narrative together with so many um variants and things like that yeah well something you said made me think too it's like um <clears throat> you know uh, as far as trying to determine who the characters are supposed to be and play to who that how the character is written you know the majority of the game and the the checks as opposed to usual rpg fare where you're sort of affecting the outside the majority of your checks are about defining the interior of this character. So you're sort of discovering him as you make these choices, which yeah. I think is very liberating as well. It reminds me actually of Kentucky Route Zero in that way, where the choices are, are, are more about shaping the interior life of a character than it is about deciding how they relate to the exterior. And uh, that, I mean, that's another game that I think that's, is like up there on say, the writing charts. The, you know? the man's getting the the old tattoo, I think, if you didn't I, already. I have, yeah. yeah I you have did. Kentucky Route Zero tattoo. You're going yeah. to get a Disco Elysium tattoo, a uh, Rule of Rose tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And uh, I, was gonna, I was trying to think of a terrible game. That was a that was a joke fail. Oh, My bad. The, uh, can I can I ask right? can I ask for a for a specific story spoiler from both uh, well either uh, Pam or Ian? Um, it's not I'm assuming not a serious one. It's kind of early. The the lorry driver who doesn't want to betray his friend by giving you information. I really tried 
to not make him tell me. Is there a way to avoid that? If you know, like, I don't know, like, I was forced to basically, you, you know, you got to give her up. Give me, give me the name. Give me, you know, not the name, but you know what I'm saying? Like, give me the information. Tell me where her car is. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to find another way. And I went and talked to everybody I could and tried everything that I could try. And uh, at the end of the day, even Kim was like, just go back to the guy. I don't know. I don't I don't think I've ever tried to go the other route. You were just like, give me, give me the information? Yeah. Oh, man. I, I think I, if I remember correctly, I think I tried to shake that guy down and failed. And oh really? It wasn't even a. It, I must have found another. It wasn't way. a role. I may be misremembering, to be honest. So, so I'm not. I'm not sure either. I was just curious because I, I actually felt guilty about it because he was like, you know, she trusted me. I don't want to give her. I was like, oh, I get that, you know. But uh, I, I failed ultimately, and now he's angry at me. And it's the story of my life, I guess. Complete <laughs> um, your joke too, Casey, real quick. It's a uh, and, and it's not. It's partially serious too, because I know Ian actually does love this game for its uh, narrative. But general jousting, you should get that tattooed on you. <laughs> I should. Yeah, that game's got a fantastic campaign. Unironically, <laughs> it's not even. Kidding. He really likes the, I really the single player yeah. campaign. <laughs> Real soft spot for that. Um, one thing that I'm I'm curious about as far as uh, Disco Elysium is, you know, obviously it carries on in the tradition of these sort of classic uh, RPGs, particularly it draws on Torment, um, you know, but obviously takes influence, I think, from that whole era of Infinity Engine games. Um, I think everybody here plays RPGs generally. Yeah. Right about that. So, so nobody here can give a perspective on like, oh, you know, what's it like playing Disco Elysium as someone who doesn't generally play RPGs? But I'm curious what people think about how Disco Elysium I mean, it's so different. You know, where do you sort of situate it or how do you figure it sort of fits into the larger, uh, you know, scheme of RPGs that you play? What's well, kind of, anyone? That's kind of weird to me, actually, because you, when I f first played the game, I was really interested in it from the get go. But because it, I mean, it is in that genre, but it doesn't feel like it to me until you start to get into the you know the stat level ups and and all that sort of and, and the checks it's it feels like someone took uh you know D, D style game and took out the combat aspect of it to me you know i mean, I mean it's basically what it is it's all it's all you know uh personality checks essentially you know all role play um the ultimate charisma build player exactly and that's and honestly in those games like Baldur's gate and uh, you know, in Pillars Returning, all that sort of stuff. I usually go with the charisma route on, on on a lot of characters, so maybe that's part of the reason that I really enjoyed the game. On top of it just being a good game, but it was like the part that I enjoy the most out of any RPG. Ham, what do you what do you think about uh, Disco Elysium vis-a-vis -vis RPGs as a whole? I think it. I mean, I, again, you have to compare it to, again, the like D&D ones or like CRPGs. And I think it takes, it makes it sort of more accessible where even though the thought cabinet and the 16 stats aren't super, you know, intuitive at first, you don't, 
need to understand them all that much. And, you know, you've only got one character that you really need to work with that you can really put everything into role playing as opposed to a party of six characters and every few minutes you're opening up your stat sheet and putting up different inventory. Like, I feel like this is very, you can enjoy it without getting too in the weeds about the stats and the equipment and things. That's true. I mean, that's kind of what I'm doing, mm -hmm. honestly. I, I, and I'm grateful for that. Um, my experience with RPGs is, well, I think most RPG fans, like the diehard RPG fans would say that the RPGs that I've played are not RPGs. Um, I don't have a rich experience of like classic RPGs. Um, I've played things like Mass Effect, and it's always RPG mushed into some other genre for me. This is, I don't know, this is pretty close to maybe one of the only like straight up RPGs I've played. Um, if any, Original Sin would probably be, or two, I should say. Yeah, I mean, RPG I guess that's, yeah. Something uh, Pam mentioned, the CRPG angle of this, and I was, in prep for the show, I was kind of looking at some of the developer interviews, and I cannot, for the life of me, figure out how they pronounce their studio, the Z A slash U M. Z A M. Or something. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, but I, I found this. Uh, I don't know if what he does at at the studio, but Robert Kurvitz is like all over the. I don't know if it's marketing, but he's in like every interview I could find. He's the guy being interviewed, and he was talking about CRPGs and how like basically for decades they just weren't innovated on at all. And uh, it's sort of caused the genre to sort of slip by the wayside. And so that he went into this with the intention of prioritizing innovation, even for the sake of innovation, just because CRPGs, uh, like I said, haven't really been innovated on too much. And I just thought it was interesting as a dev to, first of all, own up to that. Like you won't hear that from a dev very often. We're like, yeah, we did it just for the sake of it. Um, but then he went into detail, like all the things about like where the text goes on the screen, like don't put it in the bottom center, put it off to the right. Um, and then the whole thought cabinet thing. Uh, I appreciate that they wanted to take sort of a treasured and maybe outdated genre and sort of polish it up and, you know, make people talk about it again. And then I say they, they did that without sacrificing gameplay or narrative. You know, that's what's impressive yeah. about that is because a lot of times people will do that. It'll go in without, you know, without fun in mind, really. They'll they'll be like, I just want to do something different. Uh, and sometimes different isn't good, but uh, at least when you go into it with that as your main goal. But they they came out the other end with 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 gold. So, I mean, yeah, it's tightly designed. I think, Pam, your your point, too, about like uh, eliminating party management. I, or, or even more broadly, um, sort of eliminating the tactical element from mm -hmm. those uh, those Infinity Engine RPGs is a really good one. If you take the the, the Torment comparison, for instance, that that really I think is the mainline one. Um, in many ways, I think looking back at at Torment, you can see the seams. Right there's like there's like a whole bunch of this dialogue, story driven stuff about you know a person seeking for their identity um, that they've lost in some way. And then you occasionally fight things. And then there's this entire like optional catacombs area where you can go and do the dungeon crawling thing if that's what you're really here for. And it never mm -hmm. really feels, you know, perfectly married. I mean, there are, there, are, there are some good fights in that game. 
uh, for sure. But but again, it almost feels like um, navigating that tactical area was a, was an obstacle that the story had to go around. Um, not only do I think it's it's like safe to say that uh, the writing in Disco Elysium is superior to the original Torment, um, I also think that it really benefits from leaning into that quest for identity um, and and figuring out how to make an RPG system work with that element. So it says, you know, we we know that RPG players, you know, some play for the tactical, you know, buildcraft element. Some people play for the more you know, narrative and role-playing element. We're really going to focus on this narrative and role-playing element because we've seen the other side of it, right? When, when you sort of strip away the narrative and you just like, I mean, no hate on Diablo, but like, you know, I mean, how much is the narrative really <laughs> there in the <laughs> gameplay, right? <laughs> like, um, I just think that's a, an incredible strength of, of Disco Elysium for sure in setting itself apart and just creating an experience for... I don't know, I guess the kind of RPG player that I am more. Like, I, I enjoy a good tactical RPG, and I, I manage uh, RPG combat to some extent, but that's never my, my strength or my driving impetus for playing. Ian, is that your cat? Yeah, that's Saga. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Disco Elysium! <laughs> oh, man. Um, so I guess I want to kind of wrap up the Disco Elysium conversation, but uh, I guess... I want to go around. Uh, tell people in a sentence or two why they should play it. Um, I guess, Ian, since you were talking, go ahead and you go first. Oh, uh, you should play Disco Elysium because you've never played anything like it before. All right. Yes. Damn, what about you? <laughs> and, do you, and, do you uh, have a Do you have a coined uh, slogan ready to go for Disco Elysium? I'm going to meet your Pam. I said Pam, sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, you should play Disco Elysium because it's one of the best written and funniest games you're probably likely to play that uh, really allows for some excellent role-playing. There you go, Josh. Play Disco Elysium uh, to play as one of the most relatable characters I've I've ever uh, had the opportunity to, to play as in a game. All right. I don't really have one. Um, play as but, Disco Elysium because I said so. Play as play Disco Elysium. Uh, the art got no love in this discussion. Play Disco Elysium because it's beautiful. It's it a gorgeous pretty, looking it's kinda game. Got, with, it's kind of got like a watercolor. Yeah, thing. like a painterly. Mm. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's the uh, the Disco Elysium chat. I'm trying to keep it short here just because we started late and I apologize for that, Pam. Um, that's and right. now we're getting into the Pam section of the show. And I realize that we didn't even say what you did really <laughs> like why are you here <laughs> what do you do um go ahead and either plug yourself or just tell people what you're about uh sure so i am a youtuber and a streamer sometimes and a podcaster i play a lot of video games and i like to talk about them so i review various games on my channel some old retro console games, old, old point-and-click adventures, a lot of newer games, uh, sort of like Metroidvanias especially, but other things as well. And then I just started a new podcast called Point and Drink Adventure with my friend Michelle, where we talk about both a particular alcohol each episode and then sort of what movies and games and books we've been enjoying. Oh, nice. She's the, we she's the only Pam you ever need to know. That's all. <laughs> The only Pam you ever need to know. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, your podcast reminds me of the Pores and Pixels podcast that uh, Josh was recently a guest on. Yeah. Uh, which is uh, along the lines of, uh, you know, featuring a drink each episode and then talking about whatever. Um, I have not listened to your show yet. Uh, I sort of There's glanced at it. Episode. Yeah, <laughs> I, I kind of glanced at it. Um, there was like a, an echo going on with your co-host or your co-host, your host, whatever. Mm-hmm. I forget. I forget her name. She has really she high ceilings. She's working on that. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, I don't think she's going to shorten her ceilings. She lives in a cathedral. <laughs> <laughs> she's changing her whole building. Yeah. For this podcast. <laughs> Something I appreciate about you, Pam, that I learned in prep for this show, actually, was that you're, like, really into podcasts, uh, which I did not realize. Like, uh, you had a, a link somewhere. I don't remember if it was on your Twitter or what. But it brought me to, uh, like, a link tree of sorts. And one of the things was, like, a blog and I kind of looked through the blog and it was, it was older, but there were things, mm-hmm. uh, about podcasts from years ago. And that just made me really excited to have you on because, uh, <laughs> podcasting is fun and it's kind of rare to find people around that, uh, actually agree with that. So podcasting is fun. And I listen to a lot too. Yeah. I used to have a podcast called media mavens that I did for, a yeah, that's years. the one. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's Pam. That's why she's here. I don't remember how we met in the first place. You had commented on a video of mine and you were just really nice and you shouted me out kind of unprompted on your channel. Uh, thank you for that. Never really got to say thanks for that, but appreciate yeah, it. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. So, um, okay. So that's who you are. I should have done that first. I do apologize. Uh, we're going to do the patch notes section of the show now and it is Pam themed. We put out questions or we put out a, a call for questions because uh, patch notes is the part of the show where you guys ask us stuff. If you want to participate, you can send your patch notes to games, I guess, podcast at gmail.com in the future uh, or over on Twitter at I guess games on Twitter. Uh, but this week it's all about Pam since she's the guest and the first question, not gaming related at all. It's from uh, Brianna. She says, I hope I'm doing this right. You, you are. <laughs> Good job. I'd like to ask Pam a question if that's okay, Mr. Podcasters. Pam, I'm looking to become a dog owner Mr. soon. Podcasters. Mr. Podcasters. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> condescending. What's going on here? Who are these fans of yours? <laughs> Pam, I'm looking to become a dog owner soon, and since you've been taking care of your beautiful girl, Lily, for so long, I was wondering what advice or recommendations you have for someone wanting to get a dog for the first time. Uh, yeah, what do you got? Apparently, we're allowed to chime in afterwards. <laughs> well, I'd say it's good if you get a new dog. She's the first dog I ever had, so I'm no no expert, but uh, it's good if you've got someone sort of at home during the day for at least a little while when you get a new dog, especially if it's a puppy. Uh, Lily was a horrible monster of a puppy who I didn't <laughs> actually start liking for a year. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. She just peed everywhere. She ate my shoes. She ate my glasses. She ate the baseboards. Like I (laughs) constantly (laughs) threatened to drown her in the bathtub, but I never did. So puppies are cute. Puppies are cute, but they're also assholes. Yeah, Yeah. I was gonna say if she was like a legitimate puppy, that's 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 rough. Yeah, yeah. She was she was an asshole. Um. So yeah, (laughs) but I just have have patience, I guess. Um. And spend time with them get them into a like a training socialization puppy class like as soon as you can if possible get them lots of exercise but uh know that even if they're little monsters at first eventually they'll 
they'll be cool. And they they do love you rather unconditionally, which is nice. So yeah, that's, that's really the best part. Dogs, honestly, but mm-hmm. uh, since we're allowed to chime in, I will say if you don't want to go the puppy route, because that is rough. If you don't have the time for that, uh, definitely go uh, adopt from like Humane Society or something like that, because yeah, that's where I got my dog. And, and he I, I loved him uh, for the entire entirety of his existence on this planet. So, yeah, I would say my advice would be uh, if you're going to get a dog, afford a dog. Uh, They cost money. Um, Vet bills should be expected. Um, Be prepared at any given time for something to go wrong and to afford it. Uh, That's my do you have anything on dogs, Ian? Are you a dog guy? I I actually don't Uh, know. I mean, my my worth is dictated by two felines, so I don't really have much (laughs) to say on this matter. Disgusting. All right. Uh, the next question from the judge. What are these fucking names? <laughs> Here we go. This question is for the heretics, Casey and Pam. It's public knowledge that both of you do not like the Nintendo Switch. I did not know that about you, Pam. Uh, how is this possible with such reviews as, and he goes on to quote a bunch of uh, outlets that say the Switch is amazing, and I'm not going to read them. They all just say the Switch is better than the Wii U, which is like, wow. It's supposed to be better than the <laughs> yeah. Wii U. Is this the best you can do? That's a low bar, honestly. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I think that's up for debate. Honestly. I, yeah, I, I prefer yeah, the Wii U. Are we going to relitigate the Wii U debate? I like oh, yeah. my, right I like my consoles two. to have HD textures. The most uh, useless fucking... What is the actual... Que- <laughs> what is the question here? How is it possible? Um, we don't... Okay, yeah, well, I okay. So. I guess say whatever you have to say about the Switch. I, I, I did this a few weeks ago. Um, How is it possible, Pam, that you, wait, what is it? Do not like the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> well, Explain. I don't like handhelds just generally. So that whole part of it is not an appeal. So it's basically, I use it docked unless I'm on an airplane or something. Um, so that just makes it a, a worse console than the other options. Um, the controller's worse than Xbox, the UI is worse than Xbox, the store is worse than Xbox. You know I, what I'm, you know what like I'm ready it. for? I'm ready for <laughs> Nintendo to get over the whole swapping the button press thing. Oh, that's that the worst annoying. part. You know what? I'm really getting over that at this point in my old age. That is I'm annoying. Like, yeah. Like, I've been playing on the Switch uh, recently for a while trying to get through uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 and uh, so I'm used to that now but then I went to play the Disney game on the Xbox earlier and I'm over here fucking everything up because I'm hitting all the wrong Mm -hmm. buttons I hate it Um, how is it possible that we don't like the Nintendo Switch Um, I don't know I think as a handheld it's pretty lame I think the uh, 3DS if you're talking about handhelds uh, that's the sweet spot for me personally but, uh, and I mean, Deadly Premonition 2 is out on PC now, so what's even the point? They, <laughs> well, one thing I, I won't—I will—I won't ever understand—is why they release things like they—they they just released another version of Skyrim. They, I think the anniversary edition on the Switch. Why would you play something like that on the Switch? I don't. I tried. I bought Skyrim a couple of years ago, I think, uh, for the Switch, and I didn't even make it to the first town. Honestly, like I, I had such an issue with just using the controllers. Uh, it just did not feel good. I couldn't get it to, to feel good, no matter what there's, I did with the sensitivity. 
there's that, but then it's like it's a game, and I realize it's an old game at this point, but like it, it, it's a game that you are meant to like take in the vista. You know what I mean? Like it's it's you you go to the top of the mountain and you look over the entire fucking map. How are you doing that on the Switch? On on you know I I, ha- I haven't seen People it on watch the Switch. Movies on there. Just yeah, the, well, I mean, my these phone are, has a better screen than these are all weird people. Yeah. The people who play games on their phones and watch media on their phones outside of like YouTube when you're taking a dump, I don't understand them personally. Uh, sorry if that offends anybody. I don't step on it. I know you're offended, but I'm perpetually um, offended. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Put that in your, in your that bio. is a good point that Josh kind of brought up about the Switch, though. Readability in games is already a problem IMO uh, on the switch it's like even worse because there's like man some of that text especially if you're in like the the JRPG space some of that text can get really tiny especially if you're in handheld mode and I'm just getting old and I'm tired of squinting my little eyes yeah you're like little little Ben Franklin bifocals like at the tip of your nose yeah I mean games get this wrong even with you know not handheld games just games that are on like big ass screens. Some sometimes their text is tiny. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, how is it possible? It just is. The judge, uh, Gremlin asks, "Hey Pam, can you tell these guys all about how you don't like Stardew Valley and Nier Automata? I'm sure it'll be a fun conversation. Love you, Teehee. Oh boy, I knew this going in. I, I've watched that video that you mentioned this too. Yeah, I, I don't know. that was their homework. I, I, I. Linked to your oh, my unpopular opinions. <laughs> yeah, well, we have a we have a segment on this show called Hot Takes. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure at the time what we were gonna do, like if we were gonna have you come on with a hot take or if we we're gonna talk about your hot takes. But apparently, someone wanted to hear about it. So <laughs> need that call for us. Um, Josh's first reaction when he heard about the Stardew thing was not a positive one. So I'll start that <laughs> off. Go ahead. <laughs> Uh, yeah yeah well i okay well i'll just i will say like first joker one, I, I, snapping I, the pool cue and like tossing <laughs> in the middle of the room with the gangster i know i uh i'll ask how how long did you how much time did you put into starting mm, maybe two hours see i told you i told you guys it wasn't long uh well, nobody nobody said it was long i'm just saying is it, that's this kind of game i mean i understand if it's if it's just not your type of game, but but the <laughs> criticisms and I I can't remember off the top of my head. It's it was a while ago I watched the video, but I I think the criticisms were like all based on like the very beginning of the game, and you that you found like there are upgrades in this game that 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 help you with the issues you had like how slow I think I think one of them was like how slow you go through the town and things like that. Eventually you get a horse, you can go faster, you open up shortcuts. There's there's you know combat in the game that uh, I don't even know if you were had gotten to or not um I don't know I, I there's a, there's a ton of content in that game that you don't get to until you play through uh even in, as far as in-game time years uh through this is just like the comment section of that video materialized at least it's not like probably the the stuff that got blocked by her filter so i mean <laughs> imagine uh yeah i mean i don't think it should take that long to get good um but also it's just not my 
not my thing. Like life sim farming doesn't appeal to me. I have plants I could go water on my balcony if I felt like doing that. And uh, in terms of video games, I, I like them to do something different that I don't get to do or have yeah. to do at home. I have drugs and booze I can go take right now too if I really <laughs> wanted to, but I still play Disco Elysium. <laughs> I don't think that I don't think I don't think drugs are as on your horizon as Pam's plants are on her. <laughs> well, I mean the closest I, thing I, I have that. Is a, like, I think you're I think you're overstating the case hey, there. I've got there, I've so. got I've got some some what is this? Some uh, electric compressed air. <laughs> just gonna start huffing you, you right got, now. You won't. That's my no. point. You know? hey, listen. You don't know me. You don't know me at all. Okay, this so is it. Josh, Josh becomes a, a, a nitrous addict yeah. just to prove a point about Stardew Valley. <laughs> Near Automata, uh, I am pretty positive on. Um, I haven't played it in a bit. Well, I played it the first time. I played it and I loved it. Um, I don't remember if I recommended it to Ian or if Ian just happened to did, have it yeah. on his I, list. I sort of knew about it before, but you were the one who convinced me to play it. Yeah, and then watching him play through it, I found things that I was saying about the game to be untrue. Like, I'd be like, oh, there's not that much bullet hell, don't worry, because he doesn't like bullet hell that much. <laughs> and and then I felt terrible, because I realized, like, half the fucking game is bullet hell. And, uh... So I have no issue with your complaints about Nier Automata, by the way. I want to point that out. Um, I think you have valid complaints. Other than the soundtrack thing, I think that's... That's a, a hot take. Yeah, that is such a hot take that I don't quite know how to how to react to it. Maybe I just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the wailing music isn't like my favorite kind of music, but uh, it, it's probably it likely is just that I dislike the game so much that I disliked everything. <laughs> that, now uh, listen to you, you you complained when I complained. About the same thing she complained about, where you die in the beginning and it sets you back all the way. Yeah, but she didn't credit, bitch and moan and put the game down for forever. She That's replayed it. Thing, first of all, but <laughs> although I, I did I bitch hear. and moan and put the game away forever Eventually. later on when I died. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. Okay. So my understanding is that you gave up during the sort of when you're uh, kind of hamstrung as two B and you fell into a crater and couldn't get out. Is that when you stopped? Yeah, I think that was. Yeah, like yeah. the end of playthrough B or the start of playthrough C or that's, something. I mean, that's you played enough of the game to know that you don't like the game at that point. Josh played forty-five minutes and then <laughs> because died, died because he time. sucked. It is died a because he sucked. It and is he a died. He died in a game where you can die. The dodge in that game is like you just turn into a ethereal being and you can just spam it constantly. You so, know that at the beginning. Uh, yeah, that's how I didn't die. I died. I mean, excuse me. Okay, I mean, then she sucked too because she <laughs> died in the same spot. Oh my god, here we go. <laughs> Just throwing her under the bus. Well, I know because she's on my side with this. She even said, like, it's a disrespect of the design to, to, to not have a, a save point before I, a boss. At all. <laughs> yeah. No, I can, I can agree with that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, get, I get that. Um, oh, now you get it. Okay. Really? Okay. <laughs> um, so that was the fun conversation that we had. Good times. Everybody had fun. Yeah, mm -hmm. we're all good. 
My pulses. <laughs> yep, still got a pulse. Eric says, question for Pam. I've noticed over the years I've been watching your channel that you tend to play more Indian old school classic games. Is there any particular reason for that? Are the AAA shooters just not your cup of tea? Curious to know. Thanks for the wholesome, comfy content you put out there. Uh, and thanks to, I guess, us for shouting you out. We're not shouting you out. <laughs> if anything. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to say, you're like, your audience is way larger than anything I've got going on. Uh, but no, anyway. Um, uh, I like all kinds of games. Like, I like some AAA shooters. I mean, I guess it's been a while, but like Doom 2016 was one of my favorite games. I look forward to like one or two AAA games a year, but generally I find them, they start blending together a little bit. They all tend to go into that open world thing, which I'm not a huge fan of. And they all are very series heavy for the yeah. AAA games. And I like, you know, when games start doing new things, although everything's kind of blending. Like it's not just little indie games. A lot of the games I like are almost look AAA, like A Plague Tale that's coming out soon. Super excited for that. That's not quite AAA, but I'm sure they're, I'm sure their, budget, they're like, <laughs> yeah. their budget's probably much improved from the first. And the first well, ever since impressive. Microsoft Flight Simulator dropped, they're gonna be cashing those checks for a while. Yeah. Uh, I should be getting a code for that game, by the way. I'm excited to... Uh... It's coming out on Game Pass as well. Yeah. I'll spoil the whole game for you ahead of time, Josh. I'll break NDAs. And... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just Would. kidding. That's a, that's a fair criticism, actually, of gaming as a whole. Uh, it seems to be sort of becoming more and more homogenous. And I guess... I don't know. It's kind of to be expected, I guess, as uh, game development is more accessible than it's ever been and people are i don't know i don't know the real you're, question a game, well, you're a game dev what do you what is your take on the sort oh of man I mean, I mean yeah i sort of i sort of i mean i mean this is something i, I come into contact personally too as a creative in my own ideas right i want i i hope to have good ideas that push boundaries and whatever but like obviously you know those ideas are not 90 percent of your you know, <laughs> of creative ideas, unless you're, I guess, some sort of genius. Um, but I do see there's this, you know, dichotomy. Um, so on the one side, you have AAA. It has um, incredible technical innovation. And on the other side, you have indie, which has more, uh, generally speaking, has more uh, uh, d uh, creative innovation, I've found. But there's like a catch to it because each of them has their sort of Achilles heel too. Um, AAA is becoming a slave to formula. And I worry that indie, at least the spheres of indie that interest me the most, are becoming um, sort of slaves to pastiche. Um, that they're so enamored with uh, nostalgic gaming. And I can sympathize with that. You know, I'm a big you know retro gamer. But I worry that they get bogged down in the pastiche in the same way that AAA gets bogged down in formula and that there is a deficit of, of you know, really, really, you know, interesting, uh, unique ideas, uh, you know, coming out that sort of starts to happen as a result of that. And when, when games do come out that sort of push the boundary, um, they don't always perform very well. And there are exceptions, obviously. I mean, you can look at something like Death Stranding. Obviously, it had very, uh, you know, unique uh, gameplay uh, for the, you know, in the AAA sphere. Um, you know, and there are, there are any number of unique indies as well that have 
sort of influenced the the I mean we're still we're still in the age of survival horror that amnesia you know ushered in to some extent um but then you have games like the void um you know or you know ice pick lodges stuff which you know admittedly there's like uh you know a difficulty thing there that makes them sort of less accessible but I don't think that that's necessarily a death sentence for games um and uh, they don't perform very well, right? So, so like uh, uh, Ice Pick Lodge put out their Kickstarter for Pathologic Two, and they made it, but then the first chapter like didn't make enough money for them to make the the next part, You're and that's a real cat. bummer, you know? Yeah, she's got opinions she's like, on Fuck this. Fuck Ice Pick Lodge. <laughs> um, so you know, but but the other side of it is, uh, you know, the other side of it is, I I I want to remain hopeful because, I mean, the mediums like 50 years old, right? I mean, hopefully there's a lot of, uh, you know, I mean, hopefully there's a lot of ways for it to go, assuming, you know, the world doesn't end or something. Um, yeah. Every and so game. I'd like to, you know, I, I, I hope that, uh, you know, as, uh, yeah, I mean, art is influenced by societal paradigms, right? So as, you know, they're constantly in flux, things will change. And so hopefully we're just sort of seeing uh you know, plateau before another ascension here. Um, I don't want to sound super alarmist or like, you know, guy on my porch complaining. I get really excited about games still. Um, I don't, I'm not one of these guys who sort of looks out at the at the world of gaming and says, oh, it's, it's you know, it's completely, <laughs> you know, boring. I love it. I decided to make my living doing it. Um, and, you know, that was challenging to do and I don't regret it. So Ian, you know, Ian walks out into downtown. I like video games and I like the gaming industry in general. So I hope that stagnation is not what we're, you know, barreling towards here. Ian walks out into downtown with a sandwich board over him, just saying every game will have, will have battle Royale <laughs> or something like that. The end is nigh. <laughs> does yeah. feel like that, doesn't it? Uh, those are the questions. Uh, thank you to everybody for sending in questions for us and for Pam. Um, again, if you want to do that again for next week, it's games, I guess, podcast at gmail.com or I guess games on Twitter. Uh, now for the, uh, the spicy part of the show, hot takes. This is part of the show where we probably piss somebody off. Um, every week it rotates. Uh, I was going to put Pam in like the hot seat, but I didn't know. I, like, I didn't know if you were like looking forward to coming on, if you were just doing this to be nice. I didn't want to give you like homework or like an assignment. So we just kind of kept with the, uh, the rotation as we normally would. So it's, it's Ian this week. Um, are, are Ian, you warned ahead of, ahead of the recording oh, yeah. that this is yeah. quite a hot take. Like, what do you mean? What? Buckle up. This, this one's a doozy. <laughs> like, what does that mean? Is it long? Is it, it is a little long. Is it, <laughs> is it hot? Oh, it's, it's scorching. <laughs> long. <laughs> it's scorching. Um, oh god well take it, it away not, you know it may Whatever. not be something that other people haven't said more articulately but that's not what this segment is about right okay. it's about me screaming belligerently tying one on and going on a real tear so that's what i'm gonna do and uh, right. you guys are gonna well. just have to <laughs> come along for the ride i guess well the the, the uh the floor is yours so all right go here we go god my heart's racing here we go here you go the last <laughs> of us is profoundly overrated it's painfully derivative for starters the only moderately original idea it brings to the table is the fungal angle on zombies but even that's basically just lip service because god forbid the infection can't be spread via biting after all 
How else would we have the obligatory subplot about a guy getting bitten and then hiding it? And hey, speaking of biting, the rest of the story bites Cormac McCarthy's The Road so hard, Druckmann's gonna be picking asphalt out of his teeth until well after he retires. And even the whole the final girl is the cure thing was done better in a movie called The Dead Outside. The gameplay isn't much more than a roll call of the rote mechanics of the seventh generation. It's got the ham-fisted waist-high cover shooter crap that Dead Space 3 got eviscerated for, and a crafting system that demands nothing from the player in terms of cost-benefit analysis, making for a shoddy survival loop at best. It's even got obnoxious one-hit kill enemies, just to add insult to injury. But, I mean, nobody who's writing home about The Last of Us is talking about the gameplay, really. It's the story. And this, for me, is the most painful part, because I think the opening and the closing are genuinely strong. Unfortunately, everything sandwiched in between totally undermines the game's most promising thematic hooks. I mean, you want to talk about Oscar bait, Josh? This is it in spades. The game can't even begin to properly All explore Joel as a character because the writers are in denial about just how disgusting their protagonist actually is. So instead, they fill the story with safe, fast food, emotional beats like that insipid giraffe scene that everybody adores, but what, which really amounts to little more than vapid sentimentality with no actual character content other than people see nature and resolve their differences. Fucking kumbaya. Of course, who needs to explore their protagonist's awfulness when you can just make humanity at large totally morally bankrupt and juxtapose Joel the genocidal maniac against that two-bit straw man? From a gameplay perspective, society in The Last of Us really amounts to a little more than a loose affiliation of band camps just waiting to be bloodily plowed through guild-free. And we talked when David Zemanski was on about how Spec Ops The Line's loading screens were so eye-rollingly obvious and preachy, but at least it had some fucking self-awareness. Maybe if The Last of Us had loading screens that asked how many Americans have you killed today, people might actually stop and count and realize that Joel is just a mass murdering psychopath. And don't give me that cynical human nature is fundamentally self-serving bullshit because one time you saw Thomas Hobbes' name on a shithouse wall and think you're oh such a social <laughs> fucking realist. I'm sorry, but if your finger quotes mature insight amounts to humans are mostly just shit, then your philosophy hasn't advanced beyond grade school edgelord nihilism and why the fuck are you wasting my time with your shit-tier, one-dimensional conception of human nature. I could get the same garbage take from any number of juvenile post-apocalyptic power fan fantasies and it would be just as asinine coming from them. Now, I'm not saying that The Last of Us shouldn't have an ugly protagonist, after all. I love Silent Hill 2, the beloved tale of gaming's most famous wife-murdering incel. And I'm not saying that it needs to ham-fistedly condemn Joel at every turn. But if it's going to get all these accolades for being so revolutionary, it does need to provide a compelling experience with something actually interesting to say. See, it thinks that Joel's story is the tale of a man who, with the bitter cruelty of human nature laid bare before him, must overcome his grief for his late daughter so he can become a father figure again. But it's not. It's the story of a man so utterly obsessed with his grief that he sacrifices the whole world to his psychological transference with Ellie. And you know what? That's an interesting story. It's more interesting than the one we got. It's also, incidentally, the story to which The Last of Us' ending belongs. But the game's too scared to embrace its own darkness, so it gives all the connective tissue of Joel and Ellie's arc the old Lifetime movie treatment and calls it a fucking day. It does no justice to how fucked up Joel really is, and thus sacrifices any hope of real nuance or complexity in his characterization. And that's a crying shame, frankly, because the story The Last of Us refuses to tell is the story that just might deserve the accolades the story it does tell got. But then, how would you tell that story in a formulaic third-person AAA action-adventure game? And if you were to break the formula, well, how the hell would you sell enough to justify the budget and the crunch time, unless your name is Hideo Kojima? Here's the cold truth. There is a tendency in AAA games to do to games what Hollywood has done to movies, which is offering overproduced drivel with the thematic depth of a thimble. And when anything comes along to challenge this paradigm with actual intellectual or poetic depth, there's always some vocal assholes out front decrying it as pretentious. So it's all effectively lowered the bar so that audiences no longer even possess the critical language with which to articulate these product shortcomings, 
because they've been conditioned by the industry titans to confuse production values with actual literary substance. But all the beautiful facial capture in the world won't make Joel any less of a monstrous emblem of toxic interpretations of paternity, nor the story he inhabits any less oblivious and even tacitly celebratory of that toxicity. But people eat that shit up. Don't believe me? Go look at some of The Last of Us fan art with its ubiquitous world's greatest dad attitude towards Joel. Look, audiences aren't stupid. Honestly, we're starved for good stories, but we are treated like we're stupid and it affects our attitudes and our inclinations. They shit in our mouths and they call it a Sunday and there's such a drought of alternatives that we've started to take their word for it. And when it comes to pulling ideas out of The Last of Us, players are just following the game's lead because The Last of Us's worst quality is that it buys its own bullshit and doubles down on it. But bullshit it remains and players and developers deserve better. So fuck The Last of Us, play Lisa the Painful instead. That's my hot take for the week. <laughs> Holy Fucking Christ. Edgy, edgy Robert Ebert over here. That's a lot to unpack. <laughs> That's a lot of words. I was inspired. Meanwhile, <laughs> Pam has slowly backed out of the chat. She's asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I didn't get that homework assignment now. Okay. Well, he, he overachieved on that one, to be honest. Yeah, I gotta was... say, I, I, I should have been taking notes. I should have been taking notes, but I will say that uh, I think it, it I think you're a little hard on the whole Joel character. I think it re does realize that, that he's a shithead and he's a mass killer, a mass murderer and everything like that. And I think a lot of that really comes into fruition and maybe this should or shouldn't be uh, as far as the ending of the first one goes but a lot of that comes to fruition in the second game um Which he's I, admit, not, I have not played he's not a likable person in the second game despite everyone getting upset that he uh spoiler alert anyway <laughs> i just yeah, realized I you said you, you say. anyway well i yeah i forgot you haven't played the game so it's I won't okay say. The, the the that that i know what happened uh, thanks to the discourse. But. All right. Well, the point is, is that uh, um, I I think it is less the the writing of the game for Joel as a character and more the fans of the game. Despite what you said about the audience not being stupid, if if you know people attach themselves to him for whatever reason, even though he's been painted, I thought pretty obviously as a horrible person, even it's if like he is trying to take care of Ellie. It's like the people who like Walter White or any of those who think he's the hero. Right. I never understand those people. No. Uh, <laughs> that, that is. The, I mean, I, I can see what you're what you're saying there. I I guess I just don't feel that the beats necessarily support it, or that they could have been pushed farther, and that there's a disparity um, between those story intentions that I I think are sort of defined by the beginning and end, and like what you're actually doing in the game like you know it's it, it, i don't know it, uh, the the counterpoint that i brought up was like lisa the painful which uses these jrpg mechanics in a really interesting way to really give contour personalities to the characters and it's a very similar story right post-apocalyptic uh father figure relating to a you know would-be daughter figure and he's like not you know, a saint, <laughs> to say the least. Um, but I think I don't know. I think that the that the, and I, you know, I'm I'm fully willing to say that it's the shackles of AAA formula that prevented that story uh, from being what it totally could have been. Um, you know, but I just don't. For me, it wasn't on the page. Um, I think you'll like the second game a lot better. 
just based on that part of the story. Um, it's a lot darker, I think. I don't um, know. I don't. Uh, the gameplay doesn't change enough. I think based on what he said about how the gameplay was so weak. Uh, I, that's a, com is, that's a yeah. complaint that I hear so much with The Last of Us, that, and yeah, that's legit. I don't. I don't really agree with it. Like I don't. I don't strongly disagree with it. I guess, but I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Like people are always bitching about the gameplay. Of the I Last just think of it's us. kind of forgettable. Um, well, yeah, sure. Standard fair, yeah. right? Like. I mean, um, but, that, but that's I not guess. what everyone's playing it for, like you said. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's 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 about the narrative experience, and and you mentioned too about that. It's like standard. You it's ripping off all these different things, and you, you know, you're you're mentioning all these all these movies and TV shows and and whatnot. Um, the point is that these are characters that you. For better or worse, I guess get attached to, and and you are the one interacting and experiencing, and you're controlling it, and that's right. what makes it different from from the movies, even if the plot itself is derivative in, in some way. I still feel that for the accolades that it gets, there is more daring stuff out there tackling similar themes and doing it better that isn't necessarily getting the attention, and therefore isn't defining the trajectory of the industry. Um, the yeah. Last of Us defined the trajectory of a certain aspect of the industry. And, you know, uh, the fact that it played it so safe in so many ways makes that really frustrating to me, personally. Because um, I do value uh, innovation in that way. And that's not necessarily to say that that's the only metric by which we, we ought to judge games. But for me personally, that's like definitely important. Pam, do you um, have any like strong feelings about the Last of Us franchise in general? Not particularly. I I did find I didn't like the gameplay. Like when I first uh, played it, I, I kind of had to force myself through it just because of all the discourse and like, okay, everyone says this is amazing, but I found the gameplay pretty. Uh, it turned me off a lot. And then did you, around- Did you play it like when it first came out or like what did you hit it like after? It um, I played on PS4. So not like immediately, but okay. Not I just too forgot that long. came out on the PS3, did it? Yeah, it did. Yeah, it was I think PS3, so. and then it came out as a remaster for oh, four. Oh shit! And then they remastered the remaster. <laughs> old yet? It's been. You want to talk yet, about feeling old? God, bring up like I don't know. Nintendo 64 is how old now? Mm old um, we're all now we're all just yeah we're all just now we're just thinking about our demise oh we're all on our yeah. own point and drink adventure <laughs> <laughs> sorry i didn't mean to derail your last of us thoughts go ahead uh but i did i did eventually start liking it more i think i don't know they're in Philadelphia possibly where the story finally started hooking me and the sort of relationship between Ellie and Joel but I I just I generally liked it I think it has some good good stuff in it I I liked the ending um but yeah I did gameplay, too. yeah yeah I thought the ending was was really good and I I would just like to emphasize that despite my my performative bombast <laughs> the, the take was that The Last of Us is overrated, not that The Last yeah. of Us is a steaming pile of dog shit. So I don't, I don't want. I believe I you said come off like like that. Fuck in my, The Last of Us. 
Yeah, you, you literally said <laughs> fuck the last You're trying to walk well, it said, back I now? Said, fuck the Last of Us play. Uh, yeah, but, the like I say, performative, yeah. performative bombast, <laughs> uh, uh, nonetheless. I don't think that it is, you know, abysmally written, you know? I mean, I mean, I think the words on the page are, are, are fine. Um, I just think that the, the story beats that connect the very strong beginning and the very strong ending could have matched its intensity, the, the intensity and thematic complexity of those themes. That, the, the final scene, right, in the, it's in the car, right, where, where you sort of get the two shot, right? Um, the final scene is on the hillside. Is that, is that it? Okay, well, well, whatever. The point is that there's a two shot after when he's sort of telling her. Um, yeah, it's leading. I think that's leading up to the the, the very yeah. end when they're yeah, in the car. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just think I just think that that is a great example of a scene that really does benefit from all of those AAA fucking um, you know bells and whistles, the production value, because you can really sense the and the ambiguity of the emotion in that scene, and I think it's really strong. I just didn't feel that the other beats uh, lived up to that tension or portrayed, you know, Joel's character perhaps as honestly uh, as they could. Um, and like I said, you know, to some extent, I think that is the difficulty of the cinematic action adventure genre. Um, I mean, Naughty Dog, it's not really, it is, maybe it is a hot take, but it's not an uncommon hot take to say that Naughty Dog struggles with that, you know, the fabled Ludo narrative dissonance curse right that they have difficulty marrying their their narrative to their gameplay and i think that that i don't know personally i think that the ludo narrative dissonance in gaming should be expected and people need to get the fuck over themselves like this is a video game meant to be played uh oh, yes it's so much better when when they when they do sure cool but to, to expect that for. as the, to expect that as the rule for every game going forward Gaming would suck if there was oh, sure. no ludonarrative dissonance. But I don't think it's ridiculous to expect it for one of the highest praised games of all time. But it wasn't the highest praised what? game of all time until it came out and everybody started jizzing their pants about it. Well, I like, mean, yeah, I mean, obviously it wasn't the highest pra praised game before it came out. I, well, exactly. How redundant. could they predict? How can they predict their ludonarrative balance, uh, you know, in advance? Like, right. that well, okay, sense. so so maybe it's not just internal, you know, design decisions, but it's also the reception, right? I mean, that's definitely part of the of something being overrated, right? Um, sure. So yeah, I mean, to some extent, we can get over it, but if it's going to be, you know, if we're going to praise games, you know, that highly, like I say, I think there's cooler shit out there doing, you know, uh, you know, we're well, operating in the same. Space. A lot of it, a lot of it, really comes down to name recognition too. I mean, everyone knows Naughty Dog from Uncharted and all that sort of stuff. Neil Druckerman, they they know that name. The people that were you know involved, Troy Baker, obviously, and and uh, Ashley Johnson. It's it a lot of it. That's where a lot of that comes from too. You know what I mean? I don't um, believe that I, a single gamer knew who the fuck Ashley Johnson was before The Last of Us One. Ashley out. Johnson was more famous than Troy she was Baker a TV actress. She, I mean, she is a TV actress, but she she does more voiceover. Um, I didn't know her from any voice role that she's ever done before The Last of Us. That's fine. Uh, I'm just saying. Like, it's, I'm it's interested not like common in, knowledge. I'm interested in seeing what you think and hearing what you think once you play the, the second one. I think you should play the second one. Um, not that it will like blow your mind, but I think you'll like no, no, it's, it's the direction it, it goes. It's worth it to play, yeah, for sure. So, so yeah, you know, I said fuck The Last of Us. I'll own it, but <laughs> it's a it's a nuanced fuck. That's 
you know, that's Nuanced what I'm Nuanced fuck. That's, 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 yeah. That one's going on a shirt. Nuanced fuck. Uh, uh, get those games, yeah. I guess, merch presses rolling. So, uh, yeah, that was a hot take. That was a hell of a hot take, Ian. That was... I told nope. you. I warned you. I was, my I, my anxiety is through the roof right now. So uh, <laughs> I hope this is good for you as it was for me. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, okay. So that's that's a that's a whole ass show. Um, Pam, I want to make sure people know where to find you, and I don't know your links by heart. So if you want to tell people where to find you. Yeah, you can find my YouTube channel. It's called Cannot Be Tamed. That is also the name of my Twitch channel. And you can find Point and Drink Adventure on any uh, podcast app or its own YouTube channel where the video version of the podcast is. Hell yeah. I do appreciate you you coming on. Yeah. Um, So that's it. Anything? uh, Ian, I'm not mad at you or anything. I I feel like I got heated there for a so, no, I, I, I know. I just, you know, I. Uh, I'm just well, so you know, tired. I'm an introverted type of guy. I'm just so tired of seeing all the fucking YouTube thumbnails about Ludo narrative goddamn dissonance in video games. Yeah, well, when I video mean, games. What can are, I say? It's the tool of my trade, so I gotta. It's like, be right. like a, a carpenter talking shit about a saw. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just at at some point, like yeah, you got some beautiful things come out of balancing that correctly. I like I like plenty of games that have terrible lunar dissonance, and I spent the first part of this show gushing about a game that has abysmal combat, like like catastrophically apocalyptically bad combat. Hot roll of rose. So yeah. So what what do yeah. I know? <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Um, I'll be I'll be mad at you for for Casey. How about that? Uh, that works. Uh, I guess uh, I guess that's it. You can find everything you need to know about this show at I Guess Games on Twitter. Video version of the show, like I said earlier, will be on the Wizfish YouTube channel. That's at youtube.com slash wizfish. You can send us any questions, comments, concerns, ideas, whatever you want. Send all of that stuff to gamesiguesspodcast at gmail.com. Josh is over at Josh and Yon Twitter. Ian is at Discreet Infinity. And you can find me and everything I'm up to at the underscore wizfish on Twitter or wizfish on YouTube. Uh, thank you, Pam, for being here. It was uh, good to speak to you. I hope that you had a nice time. And for everybody else, uh, have a good one. See you next week.